two, one. People of the world, hello and welcome to Marketing as a Foreign Language, episode 95. Can you even believe it? On the show today, Facebook vows to remove content denying the Holocaust two years in reversal for Mark Zuckerberg. Interesting stuff. I feel like he is uh, starting to get a bit more stringent, a bit more strict than usual. Twitter slows down retweets ahead of the U.S. election. Why would they do that? Twitter stock surges four and uh, one half times, uh, four and one half year high after Deutsche Bank boosts rating price target. We'll take a look at that stock. LinkedIn lists digital marketer as top in-demand jobs. Get paid, marketers. Do it. Will YouTube become your favorite place to shop online? We talked about that last time. We're going to talk about it again. Google ads decreases search term visibility. What does that mean for your Google ads? If you're running them, we're going to find out. Facebook vows to remove content denying the Holocaust two years in reversal for Mark Zuckerberg. We're live 10.30 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. Join us for the live show. Just type in uh, marketing as a foreign language into YouTube. Boom. There we are. Nathan Boomy is the uh, author of this USA Today article. Facebook said Monday it is abolishing content that denies or distorts the Holocaust, marking a reversal of CEO Mark Zuckerberg's controversial stance from two years ago. This, to me, seems like a trend um, by way of Facebook, even Twitter, where I feel like they're finally recognizing the power that they have as a private company to determine what the story is going to be um, and to decide what is reasonable and uh, at the risk of sounding um, hyperbolic, uh, be truthful <laughs> or not. Um, it's really up to Facebook. Um, for a lot of people, you know, disinformation obviously comes across as real. And when they take a look at a post or a series of posts denying the Holocaust, um, in their minds, they create this little universe where that is the truth, um, regardless of the overwhelming facts to the contrary. So, what are we to do as uh, Facebook users? Well, I mean, hashtag stop hate for profit um, was an attempt, but as we talked about earlier, it had a very small effect on the bottom line for Facebook. Um, so really, at the end of the day, sadly, it would appear that um, uh, it's really up to just Zuckerberg and team. Um, now, the societal pressure, I think, has been mounting. Um, there may not have been a big dent in the bottom line, but perhaps I'm underestimating the psychological effect that these questions, these constant questions um, in front of Congress on interviews that Zuckerberg has to deal with are whittling him down. Um, and I think earlier he was much more of a free speech uh, proponent saying, you know what, it's fine. You know, it's free speech, just a free speech platform. And then I think as a, just like when you're a parent, for my parents out there, um, you realize that one of the first things you learn, if you're not already good at it, is how to say no. You got to learn how to say, no, not going to happen. I know that makes me the bad guy. I understand that. But 
no, we're not going to have ice cream for dinner. Ah, and the tears, you know. Um, and so to me, this is Zuckerberg's, no, you can't have ice cream for dinner. Um, well, it's just a terrible analogy, mind you. I understand. But I'm saying he's finally growing up. This is the point I'm trying to make is that uh, he's saying, look, no, no means no. Okay. It's not going to work. They're a private company. Um, people that are spreading uh, horrific misinformation like this um, deserve to be told no. And he's doing that. So good for him. The social media giant said the move, quote, marks another step in our efforts to fight hate on our services and comes amid a well-documented rise in anti-Semitism globally and the alarming level of ignorance about the Holocaust, especially among young people. Um, history, history has a way of doing this, um, you know, where the, the younger generations are just disconnected and, and don't understand, especially as the uh, last surviving Holocaust uh, survivors um, are quite old. During the Holocaust, which was perpetrated by Nazi Germany during World War II, about 6 million Jews and millions of others were systematically killed, including LGBTQ individuals and people living with physical disabilities. We all know that. So Facebook making the decision um, to ban the content is uh, it's good. Good job, Zuckerberg. You did good. Moving right along, Twitter slows down retweets ahead of U.S. election. This is from the Wall Street Journal. Social media company to make sweeping changes to how posts are shared, including making it harder for certain content to go viral. So the uh, I call it policing, and I know that's a charged term, but uh, the policing of the information on the internet can, continues to be um, placed into the hands of a few companies. Uh, they determine what information is distributed, period. Um, Twitter Inc. will make it harder for posts to go viral ahead of the U.S. election, including by putting limits on how users can retweet the moves unveiled Friday, which also include pointing user users viewing certain tweets to credible content. Wow, that's a big deal. So something's going viral. Perhaps Twitter feels as though it's misinformation. They may point users of certain tweets to credible content. Um, that's among uh, the boldest steps for the social media platform. And um, they're designing it to slow the spread of misinformation. Obviously, we're talking about machine learning and artificial intelligence here. And so um, the algorithms, the complexity of these algorithms um, fighting against misinformation, I think is something that, you know, five, 10 years ago was sort of, I don't know, not that interesting or not that important, it seemed perhaps, uh, to lay people. Um, but uh, nowadays, uh, the value of, an, of a machine learning engineer who can work on an algorithm that helps slow the spread of misinformation is, has become this you know, angelic position. I mean, it's, it's what everyone, um, the highest paid employers in the country um, are most interested in. So where users previously hit a button to reshare or retweet items, they will now be directed to a screen that will encourage adding commentary before resharing posts. If users don't write anything, their post will still appear as a traditional retweet, but the change adds some friction in the process, according to the company blog posts. So the uh, the lack of commenting, um, not adding commentary before resharing, quote, adds some f friction. Interesting. Now we're looking at a photo. It says, this is disputed. This is a, a snapshot of Twitter. It says, it says, help keep Twitter a place for reliable info. Find out more before sharing. Wow. So you're going to get little warning signs that are saying, hey, you might be wrong. 
<laughs> or there's a good chance you're wrong. And uh, it's funny to me because it's not a single person. It's not as if one person is sitting there looking at your tweet, clicking the this is disputed button. I would wager that it is a complex algorithm that has flagged your particular post. Uh, Twitter will start or retweet or whatever. Twitter will start experimenting with this change for some users later on Friday. Okay, so it's not even rolled out yet. And we'll roll it out to all users October 20th. The change will last at least through the end of the week of the U.S. election. Quote, we hope it will encourage everyone to not only consider why they are amplifying a tweet, but also increase the likelihood that people add their own thoughts. I, I wonder if uh, this path, although... I agree with it entirely. Mind you, I'm a big fan of what they're doing here. I think this is wise. I think they're on the right uh, path and they're doing a good job. That being said, I wonder if this will drive more people to other platforms. Um, I wonder if the number of times we're told, hey, you know what? This is disputed. This isn't good. This blah, 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 blah. If people are just going to go, this is crazy. I'm, I'm over it. And then they just move to a platform that doesn't police as much, who doesn't... Um, Tell them no as much. Uh, back to the article. In a bid to slow the spread of tweets, the company is tweaking its algorithm to stop tweets from appearing in feeds simply based on the amount of likes they receive. So more than just likes. Currently, the tweets that users see are arranged via an algorithm that includes content from accounts they follow as well as tweets that other users like. Other changes are designed to add more context rather than slow the spread of content. So doing everything in their power to try to make people, as Esther puts it in chat, more socially responsible. Thank you, Esther, for popping in. Twitter's stock surges. So shares of Twitter Inc. shot up ah 4.5% in pre-market trading on Monday. This from the 12th of October, so today. Um, let's see. Expecting improving growth in the second half of the year and a compelling bull case for 2021, uh, Walmsley raised his rating to buy from hold and boosted his stock price target for, to $56 from $36. In our view, Twitter is well positioned to benefit from a big event landscape in 2021 expansion into more performance advertising on the back of its ad server rebuild and new mobile app promotion product and an eventual high margin subscription product. Ooh, the subscription. You know, I would argue that it's entirely based on whether the subscription will fly. Will the subscription fly? Let's take a look at Twitter stock here just for a second. We're sitting at uh, $48.55. Huge jump on uh, from October 9th to October 12th from, uh, well, not huge, from $45 to about $48. Um, year to date, whoa. If you bought Twitter stock back in March 19th, you could have picked it up for about 24 bucks. So at $48 now. This is true of many stocks, obviously. Um, so subscription model for Twitter, do I think it's going to work? No. No, I do not. Um, I'm not an avid Twitter user, so I'm probably not the key demographic anyway. Um, I think YouTube Premium for $12 a month makes all the sense in the world. Tons and tons of videos. Um, you know, billions of hours of videos, uh, more than you could watch, obviously, in many lifetimes, and uh, a ton of value. Twitter, I don't get it. I really don't see what a premium Twitter model is going to provide to Twitter users. I don't. 
And I think that uh, the crackdown on what people are willing to tweet is ethically very smart, but perhaps um, socially, or rather not socially, but uh, just from a business perspective, I think it's going to turn a lot of people off. Um, and I would argue that uh, Twitter has been uh, kept afloat by now an aging generation of folks using it, um, newscasters, politicians, that sort of thing, celebrities. Um, I really do think that uh, Snapchat, Instagram are going to take huge bites out of um, the Twitter um, uh, market share. So am I bullish on Twitter? Not really. I'm really not. Um, I could be wrong. Um, they've, uh, they've clearly um, bounced back this year. Um, so there could be information that I'm aware of. I just don't see premium Twitter subscriptions working. So there you have my two cents. Um, SearchEngineJournal.com, LinkedIn lists digital marketer as top in-demand job. Oh, wow. Apparently I, am, I have a top in-demand job, according to Matt Southern with SearchEngineJournal.com. All links to all descriptions are right there in, excuse me, all links to all articles are right there in the description. LinkedIn's list of top 10 in-demand jobs includes digital marketers with SEO, social media, and content marketing skills. Oh my gosh, that's me. Is anyone hiring? LinkedIn lists digital marketing specialists among the top 10 most in-demand jobs. Uh, the 10 most in-demand jobs are based on data from LinkedIn's economic graph, which maps over 706 million professionals, 55 million companies, 11 million job listings, 36,000 skills, and 90,000 schools. LinkedIn identified the most in-demand jobs by looking at which positions have the most job openings available, but it takes into account more than just that. In order to ensure this list benefits people now and in the future, LinkedIn also considers these three criteria. Job growth over the past four years, whether the job's pay is livable, yep. Uh, whether the required skills can be learned online. Quote, we used our economic graph to identify 10 jobs that are in demand in today's economy and well-positioned to continue to grow in the future, we were able to filter for jobs that can be obtained without a four-year degree, those that pay a livable wage, and those that can be successfully reskilled. So here we go. LinkedIn's top 10 most in-demand jobs in order are software developer. Just have the truckers learn to code, man. That's all they got to do. When the AI Tesla robots are driving all of our trucks 24 hours a day, 365 days a year, all around, uh, you know, the United States and beyond. You just got to get those truckers to learn software development. Easy, easy peasy, lemon squeezy. 15 million job openings. Sales representative, I'm telling you, man. Uh, people, at least when I was growing up, had a sort of uh, bitter taste in their mouth when it came to sales. Um, I'm telling you, there's a reason why there are a lot of job openings in sales. Sales is tough. Sales is relationships. Sales is putting your reputation on the line. Sales is lucrative if you're good at it. And sales is often commission-based, which scares most people. So why are there $8.5 million, uh, excuse me, 8.5 million job openings in sales? Well, for these reasons, um, it's a tough gig. And I think it really gets a bad rap. And often, uh, you know, in, in shows like, uh, was that Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross back in the day? Uh, you know, you got this sort of stereotype of a sleazy, scammy salesperson. Um, and they're definitely out there, no question about it. But uh, man, that job, it can pay real well. So I wouldn't underestimate sales representative. Project manager, 2.7 million jobs. IT administrator, 2 million job openings. 
Uh, that's a tough gig. Customer service specialist, 1.8 million. Digital marketer, less than a million, 860,000 job openings. So uh, less than a 15th of the uh, openings available for software developers. IT support help, data analyst, financial analyst, graphic designer. This just kind of gives you a sense of how the economy has changed. Um, things are very different in 2020 as they were a decade ago. People are looking for social media content strategy, SEO, marketing channels, Google Analytics, and Google Ads. No question about it. All right. Will YouTube become your favorite place to shop online? Short answer, no. I don't think it'll be your favorite place to shop online. But uh, I really do think that they're going to start selling. And I think people are going to go direct to, um, I should say, buy directly from YouTube, assuming that they can't spend two seconds, find it on Amazon. And I bet there's going to be a lot of products that are specific to YouTube. Like, you can't buy them on Amazon, only available on YouTube sort of thing. Adam Levy is the author of this one. Everybody's doing more online shopping these days, yet we get it. Um, after Facebook's early successes with social commerce, Google sees an opportunity to create similar features in YouTube. The push to get YouTube's 2 billion monthly active users to shop directly from the video sharing app could present a significant change to its business, accelerating revenue growth. So shopping tags on YouTube, Instagram introduced shopping tags way back in 2016. The feature gives creators a way to link to pages where their audience can learn about more products featured in their photos and videos. Obviously a good idea. It since uh, has become a key piece of the FAA and G stocks commerce strategy. YouTube is testing a similar feature, asking some creators to use its software to tag and track products featured in their videos. According to a report from Bloomberg, YouTube can rely on the backbone established by its parent company through Google Shopping in order to funnel shoppers. Well, yeah, that's a win-win for them. To product pages for checkout, that should enable the company to move quickly in building out a broad set of products creators can tag and monetize. Facebook accelerated shopping efforts on Instagram. So likewise, Google started offering merchants free listings in Google Shopping. So yeah, I mean, the vision here is that... Um, if you have a product or service that people aren't aware of, this is a big deal. So it's kind of the opposite of a Google ad. A Google ad is basically, hey, look, I need a plumber, find a plumber, hire a plumber, end of story. Um, very direct, um, very much like shooting an arrow and hitting the bullseye is the idea. Um, YouTube, similar to Facebook, is much more about, yeah, you're kind of in the ballpark. So if you're, for example, um, Ryan's World, my kids love Ryan's World. Right. So if you're unfamiliar, it's a, a little kid who, I don't know, plays with his parents and it's like perfect for like a four to six year old demographic. Right. Um, he's got his products in Walmart, which to me is a, a little bit of the antiquated sort of model, which is, you know, he has to basically say, go to Walmart now. Now, he's the point zero one percent of YouTubers um, that are massively successful. And so it makes sense um, that uh, he would be in the Walmarts. But, but for the folks that can't do that, and even for uh, the Ryan's World brand, you could envision easily um, a direct from YouTube sales funnel, which is, hey, I'm this kiddo playing with this specific toy. Click on this link to buy this toy, um, and it'll be sent to you in two days or what have you. So um, direct from YouTube, I think, is a big deal. Um, it makes me feel bullish on YouTube stock. Makes me uh, makes me want to uh, invest. Actually, 
Um, I think it's a big deal. I think it's gonna drive a ton of revenue and not to mention uh, YouTube premium is pretty strong. So I'm, I'm digging YouTube nowadays, clearly. Um, live streaming, tons of content, um, big fan. Uh, last but not least, Google Ads decreases search terms of vis visibility. This from uh, practicalecommerce.com. In early September, Google Ads announced that the search terms report would disclose fewer user queries. The explanation from Google is to, quote, maintain our standard of privacy and strengthen our protection around user data. Google posted this announcement. Uh, they said, we are updating the search terms report to only include terms that were searched by a significant number of users. As a result, you may see fewer terms in your report going forward. This, for Google Ads people, is so incredibly annoying. Um, to give you some context, Google Search Console tells you some of the terms that people are searching for. Uh, Google Analytics is very bad. It'll tell you only a few of the search terms that people are finding you for. Um, it's irritating because as far as I know, in Google Ads, you can't parse a particular user to a search term. So you don't really know who's, it's not like you're like, oh yeah, Bob was searching for X. You just know that people, nebulous people are searching for XYZ search term. And now they're saying, oh, well, if it's not a significant quantity, we're just not even gonna tell you. Um, we're just gonna give you the significant quantity, which makes it harder to advertise. Um, the search terms report allows you to see actual queries, queries from users. For example, by bidding on the modified broad match keyword of brown coffee tables, Related user queries are coffee tables that are brown, inexpensive brown coffee tables, brown and white coffee tables. By viewing the search terms, advertisers can better optimize their accounts. If it isn't relevant, a query can be added as a negative keyword. So I don't know. This just is a, a consistent trend that uh, for marketers is somewhat annoying. It doesn't really change things too much because we can still obviously do a ton of work um, and we still have an understanding of what the significant number of searches were, but just shows a trend towards privacy. So uh, yeah, 10.30 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. We'd love to see you for the live show. Throw a comment in chat uh, so that I know that you're here. For everyone listening after the fact on the podcast, we appreciate it. Um, streaming live on Facebook, LinkedIn, and YouTube. So in summary, let's see. Ah, we lost the article there. Let's see if we can get that one back. Um, Facebook, uh, moving in the right direction in regards to Holocaust denial, um, which is to say that I think Mark Zuckerberg's sort of scale of free speech v. obvious misinformation is uh, starting to change. I think he's going, you know what? We have a personal responsibility to get the right information out there. Um, it is true that he bears some responsibility, he and the users of Facebook, and the, I'm sorry, the uh, administration at Facebook, uh, bear some responsibility for people acting crazy, for lack of a better word, you know, for people getting together and on the platform and hurting people, you know, they bear some of that responsibility, not financially, um, but uh, definitely psychologically, and dare I say spiritually, um, and so I definitely want to see them go in the right direction here. They're going to be called all sorts of names for uh, blocking content, but uh, it is their job to be the adult in the room. Twitter, speaking of adults in the room, slowing down retweets ahead of the US election, good for them. If they think that something is misinformation, they're a private company, they can say so. They can throw up little banners that say, this is disputed, this is misinformation, you should at least add a comment, don't retweet things without reading the article, all things that Twitter has done. 
Um, I think it will drive certain people off the platform. I hope I'm wrong. I hope that it drives more people to the platform. People respect the information that they find on the platform. But uh, I do feel that people don't like being told that they're wrong <laughs> or that what they're doing is misinformation um, or what they're spreading, I should say, is misinformation. Uh, Twitter stock going up. I'm not a big fan of Twitter premium. I think it's probably a bad idea, but uh, we'll see. Uh, search engine journal. Yeah, digital marketer is uh, in top demand jobs, um, as is software development, excuse me, software developer, sales representative, IT, et cetera. It just gives you a sense of what the 2020 economy looks like. Uh, YouTube's going to start selling stuff. I think that's really smart. Makes me want to invest in YouTube. Um, it's, uh, it is um, going to be interesting. See how uh, things shape up in the next couple of years. And uh, in a move to protect more privacy, um, Google Ads advertisers are not able to see as many search terms. Thank you, Google, for that. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for swinging on by the show today. I appreciate it. And uh, we'll see you for the next show tomorrow. You know the drill. Why don't we uh, get ready with an outro? In five, four, three, two.